On this week's show, a night to remember for Chatham Town's teenage goalkeeper. It was an unbelievable save as well. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't as if it was a bad penalty. He put it right in the corner and the kid made an unbelievable save. Top of the league after four games and flying high. We hear all about Welling Town. Uh, yeah, we've not played any of the real big hitters. We think we'll be challenging for the title, but we've still got to beat what's put in front of us. With the announcement that fans coming back is on hold, we speak to Tunbridge Angels. So the club still survives today. Uh, it's still what is in operation uh, and probably could, without fans, linger on for a few weeks. And what's it like being an out-of-contract player in the middle of a lockdown? We find out from Stuart Nelson. Um, very difficult because, obviously, people's not got the revenue of the gates coming through the door. So cash flow's a problem. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Kent Only Podcast. Another one of those weeks where so much has gone on, we've struggled to even know where to start, but we've got four interviews for you to enjoy over the next hour or so. As always, I'm John Phipps, having this week purchased my advent calendar for this year. And on the line now is a man whose consistent negativity towards the start of the National League season being on time looks as though it finally may have paid off. Matt Gerrard, how are you? What did you get? Chocolate one? No, beer. Oh, well, very nice. Is that, yeah. is that, you're into that place and it's the same place that does so you get 25 mini cans or no 20 cans? 24 full 24. size cans of beer or bottles different styles How uh, uh well because i'm a member of this of this uh this beer thing uh it was 109 pounds right. uh and but i because i pay 10 pound every month i actually got 40 pound off it straight away so it only cost me 70 quid so i'm quite happy i'm looking forward to looking forward heavy. to the first of december yeah oh yeah definitely it's oh, brilliant. Right. It's really you're good. You're the only well, Christmas may be cancelled, but not in your gaff then. No, I'll still be having my 24 beers. Don't you worry about that, my and friend. And will you have one every day, or will you keep them back? That's I, the question. It depends on on my mood, really. And some days I can't drink because I'm working or uh, bits and pieces. So I tend to I do, but I do pretty much drink them all in order. Even if I go away for a few days, I will open them up in order, and then I'll drink them in order. So is there a Christmas beer in there? Are they all Christmas beers or normal? No, they're just all different uh, different breweries and different beers. And yeah, it's just it's just really nice. So uh, I'll be looking forward to it. Already. And I, I think at least two of my mates are also going to buy it as well. So you know, it's it's kind of a, a get a sponsorship a from them for the pod. Well, that would be very nice. Yeah, if you're listening, uh, Honest Brew, other beer companies are available. We'd, we'd love you to sponsor us and send us free beer. Well, um, ha- we, we have got a sponsor. But we have. We'll discuss that later on in the show. They actually. haven't given us the bio yet, so you could have, so new sponsor well, bio insert here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but we'll discuss them later in the show anyway, won't we? Yeah, we do. We will do. Yeah, we're doing. doing are you well? Bit of a thick head, but I don't know if it's the weather. It's, first of all, it's rained in absolutely ages, isn't it, today? So. Mm. A bit of a thick head. Um, every time you think, oh, I had a bit of a sore throat at the weekend. Every time, I think, it, I could, is it psychosome? I can't think of the word. I was trying to, psycho, everything you think you've got something, you think you've got the virus, don't you? Is it psychosomatic? Is that a word? Yeah, something like that. So, yeah, part, yeah, I had a bit of a sore throat on Saturday, but then I was fine after that. But I've got a bit of a thick head today, but I don't think that's, I don't even know what the symptoms are. But but it has hit, but it has hit, has hit Thanet because it's one of the schools has got it. So, oh, dear. Which schools... Yeah, so, but, yeah, but apart from that, the schools are pretty on top of it, but it's coming our way, as they say. Yeah, I, I often think of um, you having a thick head uh, when I see you, actually, funny enough. Uh, and also, one of the symptoms is a lack of taste. And as a Doe Athletic fan, mate, you've been suffering that uh, for many, many years. Uh, <laughs> In the current climate, John, mm. jokes about my club that 
<laughs> two weeks time yeah could be could be um long gone i don't think are um the way forward so i think oh, sorry that back yeah so okay that sorry sorry yeah, Matthew. yeah would you want your club to die Right, don't add to that. Um, well, no, no, of course I wouldn't. But you know, it's all taken in jest anyway, or it's all meant yeah. in jest. I, I, I will be devastated if Dover go out of business because you know it'd be, it'd be terrible. Uh, anyway, let's get the back slapping out of the way first. As you may have seen on Tuesday, we received notice that we have made the finals of Program of the Year at this year's Kent Press and Broadcast Awards. Uh, we're on a four-strong shortlist up against BBC Southeast, ITV Meridian, and KMFM. So it's probably safe to say we're making up the numbers there. Uh, but obviously, we're both thrilled to have made the shortlist for the second time in the three years of this podcast. Uh, we've had a lot of lovely messages since it was announced. So thanks to everybody for all of those. And of course, thanks to the judges and the good people at Maxim PR for organising the awards in the first place. But staggering news, eh, Matt? I take it there was more than four entrants for our our um, uh, criteria, um, not criteria. Is that? I've been told there were a lot for our category, actually. Category, yeah, category a, a lot more it. than there have been in previous years. So, yeah. So and we, were, we, and we weren't selected last year. So no. our quality of our product must have gone up. Well, exactly. And you know what? The ones I sent off for the uh, for the thing, we didn't even uh, we, we weren't even using teams. So they were still and they were a bit sort of bad quality. So the, oh, the next year, then we next year, the, the sky's the limit for us. Well, now on this, we can actually record it, put it on YouTube and people can actually see us doing this. If That's probably a bit of a nightmare to edit that, I expect, wouldn't it? Yeah, and uh, and to be honest, I think uh, the both of us are, are much more suited to a life in radio than uh, than visual. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true, that's true. But so yes, I appreciate that. Yeah, it was it was a nice surprise. So um, I, I'm not going to um, write my um, winning speech just yet, but um, the budgets of the LF3 are blowing it out of the water. So <laughs> sort of, there you go. Yes, exactly. And uh, there is a virtual award ceremony on the 20th of November, so we don't even gonna, get the chance gonna, to. Are you going to actually log in, are you? Or just oh, log I expect in? so. Yeah, I'll, I'll, just I'll log, log in for in. our bit. Then just go. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll log in and and, uh, and see how we go. Just uh, be a, you know, fair play to them for doing something because at this time yeah, it's very hard to do those sorts of things. So uh, yeah, really well done to everybody at Maxim PR, and of course, well done to all the the other nominees uh, across the county. Uh, and uh, I think it would be like that thing they did at the Emmys, so you can sit there. And if we don't win, we just have to go. <laughs> Possibly. Or do, I just, or do I just throw my camera out and just walk off and we don't win? Yeah, that, funny, it? yeah, have a proper paddy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah, flicking yeah. the V's to the camera as I walk exactly. off. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. It's our 138th episode this week, and there's a song called We Are 138 by American punk rockers Misfits. Uh, seems somewhat apt, given what we were just discussing that. Uh, anyway, apparently the song may be inspired by THX 1138, which is apparently the first film directed by George Lucas, set in a dystopian future wherein the emotions and desires of the human population are controlled by android police. After last week's alien stuff, it seems you've entered a whole other universe in the last few weeks, Matt. Did he, did he write Star Wars, George Lucas? Is he? Yeah, yeah. Never seen it. No, I'm not really. No, so yeah. Well, I was like the first one, but it was a, they used to shoot people. But no, I'm not really into that. But, but he's got a lot of love out there, Lucas. I think, isn't he? He really has. But uh, yeah, not 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 for me. Uh, not a big I'm not a big film fan to be honest if I'd listed all the films I hadn't seen, people would be absolutely horrified. I, I mean, I'm not quite a Michael Owen stakes, but I'm not far off. No, no. Well, they cinemas are open I think you can go to I think the only James Bond is that the only one that's coming up soon but that's probably been cancelled again I think Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure the sequel's out I, I remember the first one 19, yeah. Oh, yeah finally got around to doing a, a, a sequel so that's I did, out I, I did watch um, Dumb and Dumber with the kids the other day and we were going to I didn't actually realise it was Dumb and Dumber 2 
they yeah. quite enjoyed Dumb and Dumber, so I might watch Dumb and Dumber 2, which took 25 years after the first one. So. Well, exactly. Anyway, on with the show then, and let's start with the FA Cup. After Monday's and Tuesday's ties, none of our Premier League sides are guaranteed a spot in the second qualifying round, uh, with Cray Valley, Cray Wanderers and Folks and all due to play on Wednesday. But three teams from the Southern Counties East League are through. Sheppard United won 5-0 at Staining Town Community, and there was an upset at Gaydorn Farm as the Corinthian came from behind to beat Sevenoaks 3-1. But the most incredible action came at Maidstone Road, where Chatham were 3-0 up against Southall and cruising. Then it all changed. After what happened, it seemed only fitting to speak to Chat's boss, Scott Lindsay, and he started by telling me all about how events transpired. It was uh, certainly one to remember. Um, yeah, it was a crazy, uh, crazy game, really, when, when you look at it. I mean, we were 3-0 we were three, up and kind of cruising and um, looking like... Um, we were, you know, more than comfortable. Um, one of my defenders makes a, a back pass which kind of overhit, and uh, the goalkeeper had to make a save to keep it out. And of course, with it being a back pass, he's not allowed to handle it. Um, so the referee found it within his wisdom to to send him off, um, which was uh, I'm not sure that's that's kind of abiding by the rules. But anyway, he got sent off. They had a free kick. They scored from the second phase of the free kick but before the free kick I had to obviously make a change put, put my substitute goalkeeper in who's 17 year old um, Harvey Mills he comes on um, we defend the first part of the free kick second phase of it they score he gets a hand to it to be fair but in all fairness he's only just gone on the pitch so now we're 3-1 um, coming at half time I've sort out um Practically, we changed slightly because obviously we're down to 10 men, so we have to change kind of what we normally do. We normally have a lot of the ball and we normally press really high and um, get up the pitch, but we changed that and said, right, let's just kind of defend our lead and, and sit in a little bit. And when we do get the ball, try and keep it, try and, you know, obviously keep possession. But we're not going to press and get picked off because we're going to try and sit in and block up, you know, in the middle of the pitch. Uh, they score again, 3-2, now, now it's game on a little bit and then they're, they're kind of going for it and they get a penalty. I think it might even be an injury time as late as that. Um, and then Arby's, Arby's only gone and saved the penalty, which you know keeps us in, 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 in the FA Cup. But he was outstanding, the, the young boy, you know, since he come on, he, he made saves, he tipped one over the bar quite late on. Um he kicked it well. He made good decisions. You know, he, he was he was unbelievable. I mean, at the end of the game, I had Harvey Brown on the pitch, who's only just turned 18. I had Ike Origi, who's 17, and, and obviously Harvey Mills in goal, who's 17. So I had three young kids on the pitch towards the end of the game, which, you know, was a, a credit to kind of our youth development scheme and, and you know, what we're, we're trying to achieve at the club. Your goalkeeper must be uh, feeling on, on top of the world this morning then, I'm guessing. Yeah, he was like I say, it was it was one that he'll never forget. Um, as I say, seventeen years of age, he's come on. Um, obviously, FA Cup has that little bit of a magical feel to it as well. Um, and everything he did, he was unbelievable. He just did everything, you know, spot on. And, and to make a, a penalty save, um, you know, in in, in the dying minutes, is something that he'll never forget. And it was. It was an unbelievable save as well. It was, you know, it wasn't as if it was a bad penalty. He put it right in the corner, and the kid made an unbelievable save, um, and, it, and it kept us in it. 
I suppose that's the advantage of having a substitute goalkeeper because not every club at your level would do that, would they? No, not normally I wouldn't. If I'm honest with you, normally um, I try and pick five kind of outfield players. But in the FA Cup, you're allowed two more subs. Um, you know, you're allowed seven substitutes. So I chose to go with a goalkeeper on there. Um, you know, and in league games, normally I probably wouldn't. Um, but it's a good job. Obviously, I had one on there. In actual fact, we we sort of like talking about maybe coaching an outfield player to play in goal just in case that does happen and we haven't got a goalkeeper on the bench. Um, but certainly last night was was uh, a reminder of how important it is to have somebody on the bench who can play in goal. I did wonder if it might have something to do with obviously what happened in the Vars last year when obviously Dan Ellis broke his leg, didn't he? And, and, and I, th- I looked at it and I thought, I wonder if that sort of changed your thinking about having a sub-goalkeeper, but obviously not. <laughs> No, I think I think you know, I think you're very unlucky if you get your goalkeeper injured or sent off. I think you know it's one of them um, specialist positions. But we have we have spoke about it myself and the staff, and we have kind of come up with a plan of when we play in the FA Cup. Obviously, with seven subs, we can always have a goalkeeper on the on the bench, and then it'll be my decision whether we have one on on the bench in a, in a league game. But if we don't, then we're going to start maybe doing some work with with one of the outfield players just so he knows the basics of, of goalkeeping. Um, you know, so that's one thing that we have been in discussions with. Uh, and obviously that takes you through to the next round of the FA Cup. What, what does the FA Cup mean to a club like Chatham? It means so much, doesn't it? Well, it's obviously, you know, first and foremost, it's a, it's a money spinner um, for the football club. You know, it's, it's prize money and obviously gate receipts and that. So it's important that we, we go as far as we can in it to try and earn the money uh, and the clubs as much money as we can um, so that's that's an important factor um, but from a football point of view I think it's important that we try and remain on a winning uh, role because obviously you know I'll make no um, mistake about it or I won't hide it from the fact that we our ultimate aim this year is to get promoted um, um, from out of this league and, and in order for us to do so we've got to win games and I think all the time you're winning games, whether it's cup competitions or league games, it's a good habit to have. And, and from my point of view, I just want to keep winning. Um, up to now, I think we've played um, 13 and a half games. Um, obviously, we only had half game on Saturday. And, um, I think in, within them 13 and a half games, we've only lost one game. And, you know, that's with all pre-season games and all league games and cup games since we started. Um, we've only lost one game, so it's, uh, at the moment we've got that real winning mentality, and it's something that I want to uh, want to keep in the group. Exactly, and I was going to say I was going to come to the league form. You've won every game you've, you've completed in the league so far. You've got Tower Hamlets and Crowborough coming up this weekend, and I guess you, with with the investment that has been in your squad, you m- must have nothing to fear when you face anyone in this league at the moment. Um, I think I think the biggest thing is complacency for me. Um, obviously, we've 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 gone on a, a good run at the start of the season, but now we're going to play two two games that, on paper, we should win. But you know, football—it's not like that. Football's got a nasty habit of kicking you in the teeth when you think things are going well. And what we can't afford to do is get complacent. So um, it's my job to make sure that we won't. My job to make sure that we're we're in, in training on Thursday and we're we're now forgetting kind of what's happened and concentrating on on what's going to happen. Um, and, and making sure that the players are complacent and making sure that um, you know we take the next game as the most important one um, and, and, and concentrate uh, in the manner that kind of makes us win again. But you know, I'm, it's not that I don't fear anyone. The only people I fear is ourselves. You know, um, through being complacent. 
I suppose you've spent most of your career at a higher level. What have you made of the Southern Counties East League so far? Yeah, I think it's a really, really competitive league. It's uncompromising. Um, it's challenging. Um, some good teams out there, some good individual players out there. Um, and, it, you know, it's a, it's a tough league to get out of. Um, you know, there's, there's going to be, I, I would think, maybe seven or eight teams top end of the uh, of the league all challenging to try and get up. And I, and I think that's... Uh, Credit to the league, and it's you know it's, it's a real tough, a real tough uh, environment. Um, some real tough away games to, to go to, um, and even the teams that are kind of down the bottom, they they all offer different challenges, and and they all offer kind of obstacles for for us as a team to get over. But you know, as I say, we we kind of concentrate on ourselves a lot. We don't do a lot of talking about oppositions and what they do and what they don't do. We try and concentrate on ourselves as much as we can, and if I'm a firm believer in, if we get our house in order, you know, I think that we'll be okay. And just one FA Cup draw on on Friday. I'm, I'm guessing you're going to tell me you just want a home tie and you don't mind who it's against. Yeah, home home tie would be a, a, a good one for us. Um, you know, and yeah, I'm not over bothered what what we get and what's you know what level they're at. It doesn't really matter to me really. Um, a home one would be nice, but if we're away, we're away and we'd have to deal with it. Not, not a problem. Well, that sounds like it was an absolute thriller, Matt. Uh, before we started, we, we both said we saw they were they were three 0 up and cruising, and, and thought that was that. And then much later in the piece, it was actually an incredibly dramatic game and, and, a, and a night to remember for their young goalkeeper. Yeah, amazing story, isn't it? The FA Cup brings out stories like that. So I'm sure um, I think they have a player of the round. Get Chatham, get your nominations into. To the FA for that. What a 17-year-old goalkeeper. Will his career get any better than that? Same the last-minute penalty to get his side in the next round of the FA Cup. But you know, you fancy Chatham. I think they're in a a good side this season. And with the other scaffold sides, no surprise they've all gone through. Very strong sides in that. What I have to say is, does anybody for Chatham, apart from Jack Evans, score their first goal? (laughs) Everybody's looking at Jack Evans. Always scores. You know, a decent player at that level. You know, he's going to pick up for a midfielder. 20-odd goals, plus the other strike power they've got. That's uh, fantastic. Were they, were they playing at the same level, the side they were against? Was it Southall, you said, was it? Was yeah, Southall, yes. Yeah. So at, at the same level, another step five team. So yeah. they've, uh, been through the, they've been quite high up Southall at some stage, haven't they? So Yeah, so it was a big game for them. And, um, you know, they, they've done... Uh, they were You would expect Chatham to win that game. And, and I thought what was interesting there was, uh, as that chat went on, Scott Lindsay saying, you know... We fancy ourselves against most teams. We're most concerned about what we're doing, but he does worry about complacency. And and with two games, as he says, they're, they're on paper they're expected to win. This is where they've got to show their metal, haven't they? Well, they've got plenty of experience. Starting with the manager going through the whole squad from there. Um, I think they're the side probably that everybody's going to try and knock off the perch, even when cup sides going. But there'll be a lot of sides thinking if they get drawn away at a higher level away at Chatham in the FA Cup, they won't want it. So I think, um, yeah, I think they've started as well as we expected with the players they've got and, and a bit of character to get through that result last night. It was interesting as well, the point about the, having a sub goalkeeper. And he basically said, if it had been a league game, we wouldn't have had a goalkeeper on the bench. And they're even talking about getting one of their outfield players to, to practice being a goalkeeper. I, I suppose needs must. Well, it's proactive, I think. That's quite a good idea, really. Um, take him out for training 
from that is the goalkeeper that you mentioned there who broke his ankle is he back now is he no he's still uh, he's still out injured I think he's got, going to be missing most of the season to be honest oh. Dan Ellis um, so they, they've obviously got uh, Jordan Carey and, and it's got to be said if, if Scott Lindsay's account of that red card is correct that sounds like the worst decision I've ever heard of yeah I, I don't even think you can be booked for that can you I presume you well only if you're stopping a goal scoring situation I presume I don't know the rule but if you you know, if he's wallets one back and you've tipped it over and you caught it, if can you you can't can you handle a back? Can you, you can't handle a back pass, can you? No, you can't. You can't but no. so, so has it been deemed as denial of a goal well, scoring I presume that's what it is. If he's being passed back to him and he's nowhere near his goal, seems very harsh. But if he's I presume that's what it would be. But you very rarely see that. But I'm sure but now that's just happened. This will happen somewhere with a game we're gonna be watching either in the Premier League, how it will do. But I think that's what he's been sent off for, denying a goal-scoring opportunity. But According to someone on, on Facebook, um, where I, I've been reading about would this... Be a, would that be an indirect free kick? It wouldn't be a penalty either, would it? I would imagine so. But uh, yeah, it was because they, as Scott said, they scored from the free kick. Yeah, so yeah. Um, but it said, uh, so uh, someone has said, the referee was right. Jordan stopped a certain goal with a foul by handling the back pass. Um, apparently, it's a technical offence, same category as offside. Um, but apparently now it's been listed as unsporting conduct. It was inside the six-yard box, uh, the incident, and uh, apparently it now it, it is now an offence. So he's it, apparently someone is saying it could have been a yellow card rather than a red. But what a staggering, staggering. But then again, if that hadn't happened, then young Harvey wouldn't have had his night, and Chatham would have just probably breezed through. But uh, it's given us something to talk about anyway. Exactly, and it's good, great. Great for the, um, you know, for the young lad as well. So, 17-year-old. I don't know if he'll be involved in the next round. I don't know if he, your band will be will be um, carried over in the FA Cup or go in the league. But maybe he's got a chance in the next round. But you know, good to see that Chatham will bring it breeding the youth as well. I, I think that's. I think so. And that is another point I, I, I wanted to bring up. Scott saying there, you know, we had three young lads all on the pitch at the end of the game there, and obviously we've all talked about the players that they've brought in, the experience they've brought in, the names they've brought in. But it's not just about that for Chatham. Is it? You can tell this is a real project at the club. We've we've heard about their community success and everything like that. And now here they are playing local youngsters in the FA Cup and getting great results out of them. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah, I think they're a club are heading. You know, I've had a few pitfalls. You know, for me, they're a Isthmian League club. So I think they're in a level below where they should be, getting good crowds. You know. They decide to beat this this season, but Cheppy and Corinthian are no mugs either. So it's a fantastic, you know, this is a cup, but it'll be a fantastic title race as well. Absolutely. The other FA Cup results so far this week saw Faversham beaten 5-0 at Carshalton on Monday. It was the same score on Tuesday as Irith and Belvedere beating a Hartley-Whitney. Uh, Ashford were knocked out 4-1 at home by Bracknell Town. Tunbridge Wells went out 5-1 at Harringay Borough. Margate were beaten 2-0 at home by Hayes and Yedding. And Dealtown almost caused another shock. They were beaten on penalties at Chipsy with the home side scoring three minutes from time to take it to penalties. That's got to be a sickener for Deal. Well, they've got to be so delighted with, with what they've done. Yeah, my mate was... Um fit now Stephen O'Brien he scored, scored the first penalty I believe yeah yeah. he texted us in the group chat we were on saying that he was playing because his knee problems um, he said they missed a penalty in the you know hanging on in the first half Deal then missed a penalty in the uh, second half before winning in front uh, but then lost on penalties they said it was a tough game but a bit of a, a sickness to take you know they've had a bit of luck on penalties haven't they when the Vars but they've gone now from uh, from there but disappointed but good to see OB's back 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the draw for the next round is made on Friday, apparently, one o'clock. Uh, we should find out. National League South clubs coming into the hat at this stage. So it's potentially some big games for our clubs in that next round, which will be played a week on Saturday, Matt. Yeah, allegedly. I think, uh, well, no, I think that will play when we get onto that. I think that will be um, something that will definitely go ahead, that game, even if it is behind closed doors or in front of thing. But I think the bizarre thing is that, for example, Chatham against Ebsley, we'll use them as an example, could have a crowd of 600 in, but Ebsley against Chatham would have no crowd in. So would Ebsley think, oh, we'll just swap the game over to get some, you know half of the gate receipts? Probably not because they need the money, but that could be one of the things from there. But also, my other theory was Truro got through, Tunbridge Angels, if the league doesn't start, away at Truro, is it worth going? Hmm. I'm not saying, you know, the cost of getting down there, the money you're going to get and no guarantee you get any income because you might not be playing for two weeks if you go out or whatever. That, that, that must be a, a concern for some of the clubs. It's got to be. And and we'll discuss all of that at length uh, later on in the show. Uh, basically, it's all a mess, but I'm sure you're all aware of that already, listeners. Uh, staying with the Scotland Counties East League for now and our second interview, which sees us catch up with the league leaders. Four games played and four wins so far for Welling Town. And after their latest win at Lordswood on Saturday, I caught up with chairman and manager. Yes, he does both jobs. Kevin Oakes. Yeah, very pleased. Um, couldn't have imagined that we would get off to the start. You know, you're always hopeful, but... Um... Yeah, four wins for four. We can't have any complaints. The uh, the players have been doing exactly what is asked of them. Deserve all the credit. Uh, were you expecting to make a strong start? I mean, you've you've not played any of the sort of really fancy top teams, but you can only beat what's in front of you, can't you? Yeah, I think the fixture list, without being disrespectful, has been a little bit kind to us. Although that said, all four of them have been away um, because of issues with our home ground at the moment. We should hopefully be sorted out in the next week or ten days. Uh, and yeah, we've not played any of the sort of real big hitters that you think would be challenging for the title, but we've still got to beat what's put in front of us. And every game has been competitive, and thankfully we've come out on top. What What are the ambitions at the start of the season for Wellington? I uh, wanted to try and better last year. I think every year the club has been going, and obviously that hasn't been very long, um, but every year the club's been going, we've improved on the season before, uh, without exception, you know, literally every season. So if we can keep doing that this year and in future years, then the progression of the club will continue. And as somebody that runs the, the club behind the scenes, as well as at the moment managing the team, uh, if we're getting better year on year, then that, that's not a bad thing. I was going to say to you, from a chairman's perspective, how's the manager doing so far? <laughs> yeah, he's not going to uh, he's not going to get sacked anytime soon. Um, but no, I'm 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 very. It's a different challenge. Uh, I, I've done it before at a much lower level, but the principles are the same. I think you're just dealing with slightly better players and with sometimes slightly bigger egos and, and budgets and, and obviously opposition. You've got to be a lot more wary about what they're going to be doing. Um, but yeah, please. But you know, without the right people around me, uh, I wouldn't be able to do what I do. And um, behind the scenes, my partner Louise and and our mum and, and stuff help the club ticking over. And then obviously on the football side of things, um, Anthony Gradley that I've got alongside me as my assistant, um, having met him over the summer, is his experience and, and knowledge. And we're, we're a bit chalk and cheese in what we do, I think, but I think we complement each other very well. And obviously at the moment it's working. And apart from the results being good, the uh, the environment around the club is is a good place to be at the moment. What was the thinking in the summer behind you stepping back into the dugout? Um, last year was the first year that we didn't win anything in the history of the club. 
Uh, you know, we can't keep winning and going up every single season. Uh, I think we have to be realistic about the level that we're at. But at the moment, we are the newest club at our level with the smallest supporter base, the smallest army of volunteers behind the scenes. Uh, one of few people that don't have their own ground, we hire a facility. And the challenges for us to go to that next level are, are different to what we've experienced in the past. We've always been a big fish in a small pond, as it were, and have always fancied us at the beginning of every season to win trophies and get promoted, but, but obviously not last year and not this year. So I think to make sure the club as a whole progresses and not just the first team, um, having somebody doing both of those roles to me makes sense. And at the moment, it won't be forever, but if we can consolidate top six, top eight this year, get the right kind of reputation for playing good football uh, and being a club that does things properly and try and get ourselves our own ground at some point over the next year or two. Uh, and then we can look to kick on again from there. I'd like to think over the time that we've been going that most people involved with the club know what they're doing. And um, yeah, if we can get our own home and then look to progress again in, in two or three years, then who knows how far we might go. I know it's a team game, but I, I see the name Ryan Golding keeps popping up. He certainly knows where the goal is, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, he obviously played for us a few years ago when, um, with respect to other players, you know, he was playing well below the level that he should have been playing at. And I think he fell out of love with football a little bit at, at previous clubs before being involved with us. He's come in, he's helped us get up the ladder. Um, he scored an absolute bucket load of goals in, in the process and, and really enjoyed himself. And then obviously tempting him to come back in the summer was a lot easier as a result of that. I think me and him personally have always gone very well. Um, we've done a little bit of work together away from football. And uh, yeah, he wanted to come back and cement his place in the club's history. It's, you know, the top goal scorer at the club already by some margin and if he can keep banging him in over the next year or two then it's going to be very difficult for anyone to beat in the, in the near future. You mentioned that you, you're desperate for the club to get your own home, your own stadium. What are the challenges of that and how hard is that going to be? Um, the COVID situation hasn't helped. We've actually provisionally got something with um, support from the local MP in the area, not, not too far from Welling. It's not in Welling itself, but it's not too far away. Obviously, don't really want to divulge too much about that because uh, you don't want to end up losing it. Um, but if we can secure something in the local area, that will be an awful lot of work for myself and, and other people to, to get that up and running. But that's what we're going to need to do to continue the progression of the club and try and build a supporter base and get youth teams. And, you know, at the moment, we've got an academy with Charlton. We'd like one day to try and have that in-house, all that kind of stuff, all the, all the things that other more established clubs at our level do, um, we, we need to make that happen over the next two or three years. And that's that's a little bit more important in the grand scheme of things than, than winning on a Saturday. I mean, obviously, I want to win um, and the players want to win, uh, but um, we've got to make sure that the progress on the field is matched by the progress off the field from, from now. Otherwise, we're, we're, we've hit a ceiling. I don't want that to happen. And you obviously said you've got uh, issues at, at the moment with with, with this season. Uh, what's going on and, and how is that going to be sorted quickly, you hope? Yeah, we're due to play Beckenham next Wednesday. I don't know if it's going to go ahead as yet. I hope it is. Um, but uh, I think at our level, a lot of the grounds that are privately owned 
um, the, the people that run those venues are obviously very eager to get them up and running and get some football and some, some income back into their club. Uh, and then us and one or two other clubs in the first division are playing at council or, or charity organisation grounds where they're a bit more cautious about the whole COVID situation. So our, our place is owned by Peabody Trust. Um, but we're working with them and we're, we're hopeful we'll get a home set game next Wednesday. It'd be nice to finally play a home game after six months. Then before that, obviously on Saturday, you've, you've got Tunbridge Wells, another team who've got 100% record in the league at the start of the season. So it's going to be a, a tough game, that one. Yeah, really looking forward to it for, for a number of reasons. Obviously, a, another tough challenge against a well-organised club. But their manager, Richard Stoles, um, he and I went to college together. So I've known him 18 years now, I think. Uh, and he actually works for Charlton who um, have their academy playing under our umbrella and, and we're playing in the FA Youth Cup on Thursday through that link-up. So I think it'll be, um, yeah, good friends competing against each other, obviously two good sides as well. Um, but yeah, the, the rivalry is definitely there. We'll be looking forward to it and um, yeah, hope, I'm sure he'll want to beat us as much as we're hoping to beat them. So you'll be desperate to get one over your old mate then? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's... Uh, He's far wiser and more experienced than I am, but um, I don't think he would have expected us to be sitting above them uh, this early in the season. That's how we still are on Saturday afternoon. You can only beat what's in front of you. They've they've had four league games so far, Matt, and they've won them all. And it sounds like even though things off the pitch aren't exactly as Kevin would like at the moment on it, he can't have any complaints. No. <laughs> where, did they, where were they finished last season? Can you remember? Where were they? They were sort of... They weren't, yeah, yeah. They won, went under the, the radar a little bit, I suppose. You know, I, the only way I'll probably know know about Welling is that striker you mentioned, Golden. Yep. He's an absolute Ryan machine. Ryan Golden. He's an absolute machine. And I followed him around a bit because he's, I think he's jumped between the scaffold and one and two. And so every time he he does score goals. And I thought somebody might have taken a punt on him. But Welling is when he scores a lot of goals. So um, four wins. Top scorer in the league at the moment, he is, yeah, with, yeah. Uh, with six. Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a, he's a goal scorer. Whatever level he plays in, he scores. And we know there's a lot of goal scorers in this division. So I, I don't know much about them. I know, you know, again, the commitment for the chairman there would love to get a ground in. But they won four out of four. Can he hold the spot? You never know. But as I mentioned, there's three sides in that division who I think are going to fight it out for the title. Yeah, Wellington were ninth, incidentally, last yeah, no, season. So that's, Solid. Yeah, a bit of a disservice there, really, because they had a good season then, really, wouldn't you have yeah. thought? Um, have they got the infrastructure to go up? I honestly don't know on that. Um, I don't think, I don't think from what he said there, you know, even though they are top of the league, he's obviously not getting carried away. He knows uh, there's a long way to go and, and he probably knows Wellingtown won't win the league, but all he's doing is putting the building blocks in place so that when the time does come that they are ready, they are able to, to push on at the right sort of time. And, and we've seen before it happens with clubs and they get, they get too, too much too fast and it causes all sorts of problems. But obviously there is ambition at Wellingtown and, and he's not going to be the manager long-term by the sounds of things. But at the moment, he's, he's doing a fantastic job. Yeah, and long may it continue. Again, I presume they play near Welling, as in Welling United as well. So um, I think at the moment their ground is Bayless Avenue, where Thamesmead used to play. Right. So uh, but obviously, as he said there, they've not been able to play a home game yet. They're hoping to be able to play one next week against Beckenham. But but time will tell over whether that actually happens. So th- that, that must be a worry for him. But he seemed pretty chilled out about it, I thought. Yeah, yeah. I think he's just enjoying how it goes at the moment. And from there, under the radar, 
maybe there maybe there will, there will maybe there will be a surprise outfit for them, but I'll keep an eye on him a bit more, John, because apart from I only know about that Golding guy, to be honest. So, and he is a machine. He certainly is. Um, the other game in, in the scaffold on Saturday saw Corinthian beat Canterbury uh, 2-0 uh, away from home, while the game between Chatham and Glee was abandoned at half-time after allegations of racist abuse uh, and a full investigation into that is underway. And to be honest, I don't really want to talk about things like that because this is a football show, uh, not a racism show. So please. Uh, and a nominated football show. Yeah, that is true. If you, are, if you are going to a game this weekend, do us all a favour. Don't say anything racist. Cheers. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> For the rest of the uh, the teams in the in the scaffold last weekend, it was of course the FA Vars mixed bag really uh, for our teams. Uh, as Beckham were beaten two one at home by Little Littlehampton, uh, Elmsford were knocked out on penalties after a two two draw at Billingshurst. Everything Belvedere made it through with a one 0 win over Loxwood. Holmesdale beat Kent Football United four two. It was the same score, but not in our favour as Hollands and Blair were beaten at Hawley. A K Sports knocked out Tunbridge Wells two one. Uh, your mates Lidtown made it through on penalties after a one one draw with Broadbridge Heath. Uh, Punjab United also made it through on penalties after a one one draw with Beersted. It was Rains Park Vale 3, Rustall 2. Snodland Town were also beaten on penalties after a 2-2 draw at Redhill. SC Thamesmead went out 2-1 at Shearwater. Stansfield made it through on penalties after they drew 2-2 uh, with Knapp Hill. And there was an absolute thriller down at Worthing United, which finished Worthing United 5, Greenways 4. Absolutely crackers game of football. I mean, I, I wouldn't say it was silly, but it was 3-3 after half an hour. Uh, it sounds like an absolutely insane game of football, that one. I see Simon Walton. That's not the Simon Walton, is it? School for Greenways. Can it? Uh, we see he must be still a bit of heaven, I would have thought. But no, yeah. Apparently, that's Lid's first ever win in the FA Vars. So, congratulations to him there. So, Greenways, I think that's my... I think that's what the lady's son's, yeah. So, I don't have to speak to her about that crack, cracking... As he's a defender, I'd be disappointed conceding five. But, yeah. Yeah, he's exactly. The new signing, for the Lid guy, he plays at Greenways. Three games on uh, on Sunday as well. Uh, Sheppey United were two on winners at Croydon. Uh, Brighton Ropes were beaten four 0 at Epsom Manure, and Kennington saw off Irith Town one 0 So an upset for Kennington, and and they've had a very good start to the season, haven't they, Kennington? Very good start. It's a good result. How far some of these sides going to the Vars have gone very early, but I think they had a bit of um, Bobby, you know, Bobby J Taylor before he left Dover training with them. So I think they're quite a well organised, well structured club. Um, and they'll look to go from there. So, but fantastic result for them. There was one game in Division 1 on Saturday, uh, which was uh, Sutton Athletic 1, Rochester United 1. And looking ahead to this weekend, obviously uh, back onto the league programme for, for a little while for our teams. Uh, so in the Premier Division this weekend, it's AFC Croydon against Canterbury, Beckenham against Beersted, Chatham Town, as we've already heard, at home to Tower Hamlets, Corinthian are at home to Fisher, Deal Town against Punjab United, Irith Town against Crowborough Athletic, Glebe against Lordswood, Hollands and Blair against Irith and Belvedere. Sheppey United are at home to Ballum. Tunbridge Wells are at home to Wellingtown. Uh, in the first division, Bryden Ropes against Snodland. FC Elmsford against SC Thamesmead. Greenways against Lewis and Borough. Holmesdale against Sutton Athletic. Kennington against Rustall. Kent Football United against Meridian VP. Rochester United against Stansfeld. And then midweek next week, Premier Division games. Monday, K-Sport, Sheppey United. Tuesday, Corinthian Beersted. Crowborough against Chatham. Irith and Belvedere against Punjab, Fisher against Glebe, Lordswood against Canterbury and Sunbridge Wells against AFC Croydon and Stansfeld meet Croydon on in the first division. And then on Wednesday, three more games, Ballam against Irith Town, Hollands and Blair against Deal Town, Tower Hamlets against Beckenham Town and in the first division, FC Ums against Forest Hill Park. And, and no one can accuse these clubs of not uh, playing a lot of football at the start of the season. Yeah, I was just seeing that. I was just thinking that a game is coming thick and fast. 
Um, I suppose you can see the reason why they've had to cancel the FA Cup replays in that. But Canterbury City, four games, John, four defeats. Not a good start for them this season. Uh, I know there's a bit more expectation than there was before, but that's not good for the for them at all. And interesting, Chatham against uh, Tower Hamlets, who've also lost four games. Could be some goals down at the, uh, there on Saturday, I may, you may imagine. Well, we shall see what goes on uh, into the Isthmian League. Then if you come up with anything, I did ask you to come up with something so you wouldn't call it any of his previous sponsors, the pitching in. Have you come up with anything? No, pitch, pitch, pitch. No, you, not you have another week then. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'll have to think about pitch. Yeah. In the Premier Division then on Saturday, Margate got off to a winning start with a 2-1 win at Brighton Sea Regent. Cray Wanderers were 5-1 victors at home to Kingstonian and uh, two goals for Joe Taylor in there as well. But folks and victors started with defeat. 518 people uh, at, at Cheriton Road, but they saw their side beaten 2-1 uh, by fellow title hopefuls Worthing, I would I would suggest. I don't know, Matt, if you've seen as well uh, this week, Margate have launched their kits. Have you, have you seen them? I have seen them, yes. It's- Thoughts? For the uh, hipsters, they'll be all over them like a rash. Yes, I, I, my first, the first time I looked at them, I thought, hmm. But then, as it's gone on, I actually think no, they're 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 quite smart actually. And at least they're at least they're different. I, I I like teams who have kits that are different rather than ones that are all just these identical obviously come out of the catalogue ones. So fair play to them for having their own their own kit, and and it's certainly unique. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think they haven't got the basic template, have they? So it's yeah, not very, very nice. So um, that was, you know, I think that with with the sponsor they've got, you know, they've worked it really well here. They know the hipsters out there will buy it, and I'm sure that they'll go by the absolute um, bucket load. I expect to be very busy, and it and it's a good winner for uh, Margate. I would have thought good uh, way of bringing in some money. Exactly. This weekend um, on. Saturday, it is in the Premier Division. It's Folkestone Invicta against Wingate and Finchley. Those two teams will also have met on Wednesday night in the FA Cup. Uh, Cray Wanderers on the road at East Thurrock and Margate are at home to Car Shorten, who've certainly scored uh, a lot of goals so far this season. Then next midweek, there are also fixtures. A Big Kent derby as well on Tuesday night. Folkestone Invicta against Cray Wanderers uh, at the Fullicks and Margate are at home to Hornchurch. So we shall see uh, what happens with those games uh, on next week's show. Uh, obviously, it was the start of the season for our South East teams as well. And, and again, uh, some some good results and, and some not so good results. But uh, Ashford United 1, Phoenix Sports 2. Ramsgate, who'd obviously had that FA Cup disappointment, bounced back with a 3-1 win at Chichester. Uh, Cray Valley drew 0-0 at Hastings. Herne Bay were beaten 4-1 at home by Whiteleaf. It was Hyatt Town 3, Burgess Hill Town 2. A late goal there from Franny Collin after a brace from Kane Phillip. Seven Oaks beat three bridges by four goals to one. A Sittingbourne bounced back from their FA Cup disappointment with a 3-2 win over Whitstable. It was VCD Athletic 2, Whitehawk 1. Uh, so a, a, a really mixed start there, Matt. And I would suggest you wouldn't have tipped Phoenix Sports to go to Ashford and win on the opening day of the season. Not a good week for Ashford. Was only went out of the cup yesterday. I thought that when I saw the results. So, um... Tommy Worrell will be a little bit disappointed from that. Yeah, you didn't expect it. Um, good result, I think. Did uh, good result for Hive. I think they come through on the through on that. So, yeah, early days now, but disappointing start for Hive for Ashford, I have to say. Yeah, this weekend it's uh, Cray Valley against Sittingbourne. 
Faversham against Hastings, Phoenix against Herne Bay, Ramsgate against Ashford, Sevenoaks go to Whitehawk, Whitstable at home to VCD Athletic. While in the FA Trophy first qualifying, another competition uh, for us to already be thinking about, Hyde Town are the only Kent team in action. They are at home to Chalfont St. Peter. Uh, in the in the first qualifying round, so that would be interesting. And then uh, midweek on Tuesday, there is one game uh, in the southeast division, which is uh, a trip for VCD Athletic to face three Bridges. Uh, so again, we will keep up with all of those uh, results over the coming days. Uh, uh, it's going to take ages for the league to settle down here, isn't it? With everybody playing cup games and all oh, sorts of it. Yeah, long, it's going to be a long time before we get onto a level footing. And yeah, obviously, yeah. normally at the end of September, we, we already have a rough idea, but uh, most certainly not this year. Uh, moving on then, obviously, while the football has started in the Scaffold and the Isthmian League, higher up the pyramid, it's not quite been so simple. They deliberately delayed the start of the season until the 2nd of October in order to allow crowds to be present at the game. But as you unless you've been living under a rock for the last uh, 48 hours or so, you will know that that experiment or that plan has now been ended and no elite sport will be played in front of crowds uh, or any plans to have trials of crowds are all off. Where does that leave our National League clubs? Where does it leave our, leave our National League South clubs? We'll, we'll talk more about uh, Dover Athletics specifically uh, shortly. Um, we've also... Uh, been speaking to other people as well off the record but on the record we do have a bit for you as well uh, here is director at Tunbridge Angels Jim Rowe telling us about what it will mean for Angels if they can't start without supporters um, so I suppose obviously he- here we are it's, uh, it's it's just gone 12 o'clock on Tuesday and, and we're hearing now that the plans to get fans back in in October has been paused uh, do you know what that means yet for, for the National League and Tunbridge Angels? Not precisely, no. To be honest, I mean, it, clearly, uh, it would appear as if we as if we won't won't get fans back in at, at the beginning of October, as as had been the case. Um, what the National League had said, uh, and I stress the word had, was that the season, from their point of view, from their club's point of view, could not start until fans were allowed back into stadiums. Um, so, therefore, if that still holds true, their, their option w- would be to delay the season's start. Now, how long they would be prepared or would be able to let that happen, I mean, if it was for a couple of weeks or even a month, there's probably, with, a, with the season going on longer into the summer, there's probably enough time to squeeze a few fixtures in uh, later on in the year, provided, of course, we don't get dreadful weather or nothing else happens. I mean, everything is built in with conditions, isn't it, these days? Um, so that's possible. Our, our slight complica- well, a complication for all the National League clubs, particularly those in National South, in which we play, and National North, is that the 3rd of October is actually the, sec- the date for the second qualifying round of the FA Cup, which is, which is where we enter that competition competition and of course the FA Cup is not administered by the league it's administered by the FA Uh, so so, so that is an entirely different uh, we're looking in an entirely different direction for guidance on how that might be operated how that might be played out it is all just Um, a a, I mean Angels had a tough start to the year anyway didn't with all your pitch problems and I guess this is making things even worse for you yeah I mean the pitch problems in a way 
seem rather distant now. Yes, we, we did indeed. And, and uh, fortunately, through the generosity of our supporters and others, we've managed to raise enough money to purchase some pitch covers, state-of-the-art pitch covers, uh, which will protect the, uh, the club or the pitch from you know, rain damage. Um, in fact, the pitch now, of course, with the relatively dry summer we've had continuing, is it, it, looking absolutely superb at the moment. Um, so really, that that you know, if we were given the green light, we we could. Well, we already have played pre-season friendlies behind closed doors, and and, uh, and and those have gone as well as they as well as they could. So the pitch, in a way, the pitch problems are sort of somewhat behind us now. Um, and of course, at the time that we were having to stop playing uh, last season, when the season was brought to a premature end, um, we had just about sorted out the problems by then anyway. So. But yeah, uh, and in the end, we finished. We were placed fifteenth under the unweighted, uh, unweighted points per game system, which the National League adopted. Um, so really, that was that was relatively satisfactory um, and keen and ready to go this season and consolidate our place in National South. From a financial point of view, how does a club like Angels cope with not having any football for for six months? Very difficult. And 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 remember, John, it's not only no football, most clubs like us, if not all, uh, make extra money through having events, summer events at their club. We, we have a very, normally have a very successful uh, home and garden show. Uh, we have uh, a, a, beer, a beer and music festival. Uh, so these things haven't happened. We haven't been able to hire the club out for, for weddings and, and parties and such like. These things, of course, haven't been able to happen either. So, uh, yes, it, it, it has been a serious problem. I have to say we have been helped by the various uh, government funding schemes that have, that have occurred uh, during the summer. Uh, we're thankful for that. We have had some money uh, trickled down from the Premier League to non-league clubs. Well, again, we're very thankful for that. And that has helped us to pay for those things we've needed to do to get the club ready uh, or COVID-19 secure, you might say, uh, to get fans back in. Um, so we're, we're thankful for that. So the club still survives today. Uh, it still is in operation uh, and probably could, without fans, probably could linger on for a few weeks. But there would come a time when things would, would, yes, decidedly get very, very much more difficult. I know a lot of National League clubs uh, in the county and further away have basically said that last point, you can't play without fans. And, and I guess that's a, a key thing for you because a club like Tunbridge Angels, you are all about your support and you've got some great fans there, haven't you? Yeah, that's absolutely right. Um, we, we are, a, in every sense, a very sociable club. Um, we're looking at the idea of, of, of perhaps live pay-per-view streaming but, but in a sense, it doesn't really fit with a club. You're absolutely right. It doesn't fit with a club like Tunbridge Angels. Uh, we're all about uh, people coming to the ground. Um, and even if the football on this way isn't that great, and manager will kill me if he heard me say that, uh, even if it's up even if it isn't that great uh, fans can chat to each other fans can chat to their mates on the terrace uh, they can have a beer afterwards they can enjoy a burger all those things that's what makes non-league football so different in a way from the professional football higher up the football pyramid well, I know Steve listened so he probably would have heard you say that but um, <laughs> it, what a fantastic job he's done at the club you've really stuck with him you gave him plenty of time and he's finally got you back to where you belong 
Absolutely. So, uh, I think he, he, will, he would or is just about, or has already started his seventh season with us. Uh, he's done tremendously well. Uh, in particular, uh, well, first of all, saving us from that double drop syndrome where you get relegated from a higher league and then sometimes you take two drops. Uh, but he saved us from that. Then, I, really against all the odds, uh, in a sense, outsiders would say that anyway, uh, against all the odds, uh, got us promotion. Uh, we were midway through, midway into the, uh, well, halfway down the, the table uh, during that promotion season, made a terrific run from New Year onwards, got ourselves into the, uh, got ourselves into the, uh, into the playoffs and, uh, and won through on a really Difficult competition, a super playoff, of course. So three knockout games, two of which were uh, away from home. Uh, yeah, he, he, he has done superbly. And last season, he uh, we, we did not finish in a relegation spot. I know no no sides were relegated from National South, but we did not finish in a relegation spot. We, we were placed, I think, on a fair basis at 15th. And uh, so, yeah, they, he has done tremendously well on what could be only be described as a modest budget. And talking about budgets, I guess obviously that the current climate is affecting his plans for this season, is it? Yeah, he, he's pretty much got a squad together, uh, and I think Steve relies uh, a lot on on loyalty, and that's credit to him. Loyalty from players who perhaps might have been might have been tempted to move on, might have been tempted perhaps to play at a higher level, but you know most of most of the squad. Uh, is is largely the same that played last season, um, and uh, and some of those players have been with the club actually since since he, since he first came. Um, so you know uh, it, it, it's 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 tribute I think to the loyalty he in, he engenders from from his players. And just finally, I suppose at the start of the lockdown, there was a little bit of sort of confusion over the National League and what they were doing. And, and I guess we're in that limbo again now. How do you think the league themselves have kind of handled this situation over, over the past few months? And have you have you as a club been as well informed as you would like? We'd always like more information. Uh, it, it, it's, uh, I, I have some sympathy for the National League, really from you know March the 15th, uh, when they called it what was thought to be or de- described as a temporary stop to the, to the league competition, uh, right the way through to where we are today. They've had all sorts of issues uh, to sort out, uh, you know, things that really they might not have even predicted. Uh, I mean, the sudden... Uh, well, perhaps it wasn't sudden, but the, but the demise of Macclesfield Town in the middle of all this, you know, and then they've got to deal with that, the fallout from that, the whole COVID-19 situation. Yes, of course, at times we do bang the table a bit and say, why can't they say more? Why can't they let us know? But, you know, it's been an extraordinary position. And, and they find themselves in a way, I suppose you could say, trapped almost between the clubs that they serve, i.e. ourselves, and other bodies like the FA and and the and the uh, and the government itself, the Department of Culture, Media and Sport. So a difficult situation for them. And I think the position of our clubs is quite unique in National South. Um, we are, in a sense, based at the same level as Brighton, Liverpool and Manchester United um, because we're classed as an elite club. Um, but of course, the reality is we're not anything like those clubs, of course, and, and, and you and most of the listeners will, will, will appreciate that. But at, at other levels, we've been dealt with the same. So therefore, clubs immediately below us 
clubs, good clubs in Kent, Folkestone Invicta, uh, Margate, uh, have already had competitive games with fans attending. Um, we haven't reached that level. We haven't been able to reach that situation because we're deemed, as I said, we're deemed as an elite club. So that's been an enormously difficult situation for us and for our league to compute, you could say. Yeah, and I suppose just one final thing. You, I bet you, like everybody else, can't wait until you're back at Longmead and everybody's packed in to watch Angels. Oh, absolutely. Um, but I would say it will be different for a little while. Um, you know, if we can get fans back in, that'd be great. Uh, it won't be quite the sort of scenes that we have been used to in playoff finals with everybody literally jumping down arms round one another and all that kind of stuff in the stands uh it, it is it is going to have to be a little bit different but let's take let's let's hopefully get those first doesn't look too likely today i must admit but let's at some stage get those first steps going to get the fans back in as you say back into long me what can you say matt i mean it's it's a nightmare, isn't it? Yes. Uh, but did we expect this? Um, I now know that the, you know, the leagues we just discussed, the scaffold, etc., they can carry on playing with people behind closed doors because that wasn't mentioned by Boris and his bit yesterday. So that can carry on. What I could basically get from this, it's all about this elite system, isn't it? Where, you know, York, Havant, and Dorking, I think, push for this so they could get the playoffs in. If the playoffs hadn't gone in, could you, this wouldn't, wouldn't have been an issue we would be starting. But I don't know, I presume we could start at 25% of your attendance or 25% of your capacity or whatever it is. I think Dover's at 1,000, 1,100. I think Maidstone at 1,200 when they've done it. So, and I see some of the sides, some of the bigger boys in the National League, talking about the National League at the moment, I said they want to start behind closed doors. They seem to be the sides who've got a bit of money and spending a lot of money on players, etc., like that, and, and and bigger clubs. And you can understand maybe the likes of Notts County and Chesterfield who don't want to get behind the, the eight ball, trying to get back into the football league. So, if it's as easy as letting as the national league saying we're no longer an elite sport, maybe that could be the way to go. But I don't know what happens then if the league is curtailed with ten games to go again. Would you have playoffs or you stay where you are? It, it does seem a, a strange one, and, and you feel for teams like Ebbsfleet here, who were relegated because of the elite thing, and now they're going to could turn it around so everybody could start again. So it is a it's a difficult one. Um, I know Dover have said they don't want to start behind closed doors, but certain clubs will. Do the big clubs have the power to say we're going ahead? Because if there's 19 clubs saying yeah we want to start, and there's five clubs whatever it is who say don't want to start. No, I presume the, the majority sways it and they have to go. But as David said, they're not going to last very long if, they are not, if they're playing behind closed doors and having to pay players. No, and, and obviously focusing on Jim for a moment there and, and what he said, Tom James have had a tough year, haven't they, with, with oh. all of that stuff about the pitch. And as he said, it seems like forever ago that they just couldn't get the pitch ready. He said the pitch is absolutely fantastic at the moment, which I've, I've got absolutely no doubts about. Um, but... It, it's tough for a club like Angels, and if they can't play in front of supporters, it, it's just a no-go for them, isn't it? Uh, yeah. You know, they get, what's the average gate? 500. So they could do what Margate have done and play in, in front of 600, and we've seen some gates of around about 600 and people getting in. The streaming will work for certain clubs, but it might not work for other clubs as well. And looking into it, it's not, it's not you know, 
it's not going to be a real big money spinner for certain clubs, depending who you're, who you're playing against. And, you know, no disrespect to Tunbridge against Concord. Is there going to be, apart from the Tunbridge fan, is there going to be you know, anybody really watching, earning enough money for them to do that? So it's just, it's just a, a difficult situation. And, and, I, and I said, going back, the bigger boys with it, but there'll be teams in Tunbridge's league who can't afford to do that. So the National League has got to do it. I, I presume... They're getting a lot of pressure from the National League to say, right, don't be an elite club, and then they can do it and people can be allowed in. Um, is that the right way to do it? I honestly don't know, but we want to see football and we don't want to see any clubs go belly up, which is a concern. I wonder how those uh, those teams, particularly the ones who push so hard for those playoffs to take place uh, in the National League South uh, and who ultimately didn't get promoted, I wonder how they're now feeling, having insisted they were elite sport, because it's really come back to bite them, hasn't it? It has. Uh, and it, it goes, you know, we mentioned about Jim Palmer. He did say back at the time that there was a lot of clubs who had their own agendas in for this to get them up. And maybe some of those clubs with the agendas didn't actually work out for it. So he didn't think we'd have football till January anyway. So there must be a lot of pressure going in. There's some big clubs in the, in the National League. I just, again, hope that they've got to think about the whole 66 clubs in the, in, the, in the three leagues rather than maybe just the top 10 in the National League who want to play this. There's got to be a, a real thought of doing it. If it's easy just to basically rub out the word elite and they can go ahead, maybe they can do it. But I presume there has to be a cutoff because, you know, Notts County get what, five, 6,000. They probably can't have five, 6,000 turning up, can you? No, I wouldn't have thought so. so uh, but if, do they have a... You know, right, and say that maybe everybody's capacity is set at thousand, for example. Everybody in each league, you know, maximum you can have is a thousand. Would that be a, a better way of doing it, or? I, I, I mean, as, that would be better for because I suppose the way you could look at it is the clubs who haven't got the money a thousand fans for them is is probably their ceiling, and that will be enough to keep them going. Yeah, and the clubs who are bleating, who are saying we can play behind closed doors. Well, if you've got a thousand people coming in, then that will help you as well. So that, to me, seems like that would be a, a sensible solution. But um, sensible well, solution. Them? I've got no that? idea. I mean, I, to be honest, I, I look at the whole thing now, and I just think I never know what's going to happen. So I'm not uh, in the business of making predictions. I think they've got to try and find a way. Uh, to drop this elite tag and just and just get on with it. Um, interesting comments from uh, Damien Irvine on Twitter, the uh, CEO at Ebbsfleet United, who said the hugely frustrating irony is that the North and South Leagues lobbied hard to be categorised as elite status so playoffs could take place in May, resulting in relegation for Ebbsfleet by 0.02 points per game. Uh, that elite status means both leagues in their entirety suffer elite restrictions. Uh, if other elite leagues could play behind closed doors, then so too should the National Leagues, who were so adamant and aggressive in their campaign play behind closed doors playoffs recently and he demanded and argued elite status vehemently any thoughts on that one Matt? I, I think he's got a good point to be honest um, you've been going to feel for Chorley who got relegated but again there has to be a point as well that something's going to go here because you know folks to the Margate could you know finish their season but they've got nowhere to go have they? Because no. nobody's promotion Exactly they won't be the relegation so it, point? it's just that there's, nothing would happen but there must be a blockage at some point They've got to find a way of playing the National League and the National League North South because, again, as we know, the National the National League take their promotion places into the Football League very very seriously, and they could not afford to lose them. And if they don't 
put anybody up, then there'll be all sorts of problems there. So the National League have got to find a way to to play these games, be it finding a way to to help prop up clubs who are going to need the money by when they play behind closed doors. Or is it going to be saying, right, well, actually, we're not elite sport. Can we please have a look at it and say that we would just like to be able to play behind closed doors? And even if it's 600 fans, that would help. I mean, it would 600 fans would help Dover out, no? Well, it's better than nothing, isn't it? So, yeah, so I think Dover will probably budget in to get the 1,000 in for the for the wages they're playing. But I would have thought, you know, it seems like Notts County are thinking, you know, 5,600 might, might not help. It's just an absolute minefield. I see the Dagenham chief executive said that he thought that to rescue this, that the league may need between 15 and 20 million pounds. So, <laughs> good luck. <laughs> um, that's... So you can basically say we've got who's going to give them that sort of money. So uh, from there, so it's a strange one. So well, well it won't be Sean oh, 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 Burnley if that's if uh, what he said this week is anything to go by. But there you go. Well, I, I have a different viewpoint every time I wake up. But what certain <laughs> things than this, I expect in some way or another the National League will kick off next week. I'm, there you I'm, go. I'm, I, th- I think it will start. Would it finish? Uh, well, I don't know. I, I think there's too many bigger boys in this division to say, right, we're, we're, we're going to do this. And I'm just concerned that some of the other clubs will just be railroaded into doing it because uh, there's no other way unless they we have mass resignations from the league. Dover specifically, Matt, I mean, we, we, we've heard before that they were saying they're in all sorts of trouble. Uh, but now it seems that... that, that it's getting re- real and realer, isn't it? These real concerns that things aren't going to be aren't going to be able to sustain for Dover Athletic. And obviously, I I take the mick out of you and everything, but it would be devastating for the whole town if the club were to were to go out of business. And do you think that's a real possibility, or or are the club just laying it on a little bit thick? Uh, I think they're just putting their words out to say that you know. I wouldn't have thought they're rolling in the cash, but I think there's a lot of clubs out there. And maybe some of these clubs are putting their head in the sand for this. And I think you'll probably find out, you know, that the players that you've got in, that, that, that these teams are think, well, we've got to play because, you know, otherwise we're going to be paying them for nothing. So they want their, their, their penny out of these players, even if they're not getting any income coming in. So, yeah, I think Jim Parment is, you know, he's done a great job keeping Dover afloat. I think he's just putting it out there saying that, the money in football may need to uh, readjust itself from this um, for clubs to go on. But I know if, it just seems that the bigger boys want to go ahead. And Jim Parment is the only, I think he's the only one who said, we won't play behind closed doors. But will they be railroaded if they're the only side who says they won't play? What interests me is obviously Dover are full time now, but apart from player wages, they can't have many outgoings at the moment, can they? Is it, but I suppose by wages is the biggest expenditure. Oh, you've got the ground and, um, you know, bills, etc., like that. They've been training. I would have thought wages at the moment is the one because the players have been training. So um, from that, yeah, I don't, yeah, they're probably, it's like anything in football club. I think you look at the Premier League, is it majority of their, is it Reading who played like 200% of their wage bills more than their income? So I think at any football, at any level, you probably find that wages are quite high. 
Mm, exactly. Uh, back on Tunbridge Angels, Matt, obviously there was a, a good chat with, with Jim Rowe and he talked about the good work Steve McKim's done and the loyalty of his players. And then Steve McKim announces on Tuesday night that Deshaun Theobalds is back after his spell in Poland. And, and I guess that is again a mark of what a great job Steve McKim does. I think I didn't realise that the Theobalds, I know Matt Davison said he, he thought he was a football league player. So getting him back from his spell in Poland, which probably came, went at the wrong time for him after COVID kicked off. Yeah, but I think Steve McKim is a good manager at this level. Knows to uh, motivate players, knows to pick a player. And I think Tunbridge Angels are, are in very um, good fetter with him being in charge. It'll be interesting to see how they get on in this season as well. I presume he's trying to pick it, like, looking for a top half finish in a very t- competitive division. But I think having a settled squad, you know, obviously it brought in 20 players, so they might take them well to jail. But settled squad for Tunbridge. And, you know, they had the, the, you know, the problems they had last season with not being able to play, but may have brought the squad a little bit closer together as well with the pitch issue. So, well, yeah, I'll look out for them. I'm, I'm sure they'll be having an interesting season ahead. As Jim said there, 15th last year was probably about fair. And, and I'm sure that now they'll be looking at and thinking they can build on that this time around if the season starts. Uh, yeah, I, I think yeah, it all depends on finances in various clubs. You don't know the state of any other clubs outside of the county. You look at Maidstone bringing players in, absolutely we've seen that. I, I think Tunbridge Angels will be more than adequate to have a good season this year. Uh, staying staying in the National League South, uh, Welling United, a few changes behind the seeds there uh, at, at Parkview Road. Um where the day-to-day running of the club has been including the match day responsibility has been handed over by Mark Goldberg to Gary Fior, uh, Paul Whitehead and Matt Mean, who uh, will be ably supported by Robert Littlefield overseeing the club finances. Uh, Mark will be remaining as owner and chairman, but will now be focused on securing the new ground development at Parkview Road with a view to providing a sustainable future for the club. So uh, all change at Welling. And, and I think, again, Matt, playoff finalists a couple of years ago, consolidation season last year I think they're, they're a team that will be there or thereabouts I think some of the signings they've made are, are pretty good really good players at this level so what, what's the, what do they want to do because with the cricket grounds behind that so what they want to they don't want to move to a new ground they want to it, it seemed to be development uh, development didn't it, 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 it is what it, 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 mm. they were saying there I'm also just reading on their website that uh, they have suspended sales of season tickets until further notice uh, so we will see what happens. But again, Welling, Welling, you know, a side who get 500 every week. So 600 for them, if they said they could do that, was would be absolutely perfect for them. Mark Goldberg, you know, he's backed his managers as well. So um, And let's not forget, even after the announcement uh, yesterday on Tuesday, the Dover-Dartford game at, at Prince's Park still went ahead with, with up to a thousand people in the stadium, didn't it? Yeah, I presume that it kicks off on Thursday on this. So... I presume there's people there, you know, look, monitoring this and see how it went. And if it was successful, they can see from that. But, yeah, yeah, I'm just bemused by how this, but I, I presume they just stop the elite thing and, and away they go and then have a thousand in. Um, from that, I don't know how, how much pressure the Premier League and the Football League, but there must be teams in the Football League who must be thinking, bugger, we can't carry on either at this rate. Yes, there, there really must be. It's, uh... it, 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 look, it can't be just be Dover, because look, I can't think of any other club who said have got issues, have they? I think Bath said that if they don't, they, they can survive till off about Christmas, but then they would have problems and just have to 
basically make everybody redundant. So. And your man from obviously Dagenham, he's been uh, around the lot, hasn't he? You mentioned him earlier. He was on um, Good Morning Britain this morning. Uh, was as he? Part of it, yeah. Uh, chatting away with uh, with Piers and Susanna. Uh, I'm, I'm sure their love for the non-league game would come through there, Piers. Oh, I'd imagine so. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But again, Dagenham have got a vested interest because of, you know they're probably one of the sides at the top end of the table who are spending a lot of money on wages as well. So, and they've got to seem to have a, a backer who's, who's got a bit of money. So again, some of these clubs may have their own vested interest in it from there. So, but the most important thing is we don't see any clubs die from this. So if that's mothballing clubs or, um, somehow, um, getting money from somewhere, I think that's the, that's, that's the key to this. Yeah, exactly. Uh, right, moving on then to our final interview for this week. Uh, you may remember a couple of weeks ago we spoke to Steve Miller, uh, a football agent, and we're delighted to say that we've agreed with Steve to become uh, the new sponsors of the Kent Only podcast when he actually sends his blurb oh, through. No, I've, got, I've, got that, I've got that through. Do you want me to say it? Go on then. Right, so we're going to say our new sponsor is SCSA Sports Management, the football agency that strives for excellence and always put the person first. You can check out their brand new website at scasportsmanagement.co.uk. Welcome to them as our new sponsor. Exactly. And uh, as part of that uh, of that deal, we thought it would be a good opportunity to speak to a player uh, who, although he's never played for a, a non-league club in Kent, was in the National League last season, has played for a club in Kent as well uh, for, for a long time in his career. But he's currently in a situation where he's without a club. Goalkeeper Stuart Nelson has just turned 39, as have all the best people. Uh, and he is currently going out on trial and, and trying to find a way and as you'll hear from him here he, he's he's quite open to to any sort of suggestion but I get the feeling that it's pretty tough being an out of work footballer at the moment so here he is uh, former Gillingham goalkeeper Stuart Nelson Born in this club, yeah. That's exactly it. But how yeah, hard it ain't that easy at the minute. I was gonna say how hard is it with the current Covid situation? Um, very difficult because obviously people have not got the revenue of the gates coming through the door so cash flow's a problem. Um, as a goalkeeper, I think just talking goalkeepers, it's teams that would normally carry three are carrying two, and teams that carry two are carrying one and a young boy. So it's, it makes it difficult for someone with my experience to sort of get in somewhere unless I'm going to be starting. And that ain't necessarily... I just need a job, so if, if if I have to sort of play back up for a bit and, and wait my opportunity, and that's what I'd, I'd be willing to do, but those sort of jobs aren't out there as much as they were before. I suppose it's the life of a goalkeeper, isn't it? Because you see some goalkeepers who get to your age and they've made 100 appearances, whereas at least you've had some experience as a number one, and I suppose that's what you're hoping clubs will look at and say, well, we'll take a punt. Well, i played 500-plus <laughs> professional games. Um, and so I want to bring that experience to a club that I go to. Um, as I said, it doesn't have to be the number one role. Um, I'm quite open to uh, different roles because I, I love I love a challenge, and uh, I love helping people as well. So if I'm if I'm backing up to a, a number one and he's younger, I think I can help him and help bring him along and at the same time always be ready if the opportunity arises to to step in and, and not let anyone down I don't expect you to tell me anything but I understand you've been on trial at some places is, is that a different situation with all the extra cleanliness and things going on it's more like teams just need to see see me sort of move around the goal and see the shape I'm in um, for the age I'm at now um, so 
getting through the door and, and, and showing them that I'm in the best shape of my life. Um, my body fat's down as low as it's ever been. Um, I've, I've got my own personal trainer, so she keeps on top of everything, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm playing my part, but seeing is believing, as, as, as they say, and sometimes you can say to someone over the phone or in a in a message, yeah, I'm, I'm really fit, I'm in good shape, I'm, I'm, I'm like a young 30-year-old, uh, low 30, sorry, um, but they don't believe it until they see it, so sometimes you need to be invited in. Um, and you only need a day for them to see see you in the in the goal moving around. But um, yeah, I mean the the whole COVID thing is does cause problems some places because some places are uh, hotter on it than others. Um, like you need a test or some you have to turn up in your training kit um, and you get your temperature checked. So there's there's rules for different clubs. Uh, Different clubs are taking up different rules, so yeah, it, it is making it difficult. Simplex won't even let you through the door. They want to keep the squad together, so it's, it doesn't it, that limits your chances as well. Obviously, uh, we're we're based down in Kent, and I suppose probably the, the best of your career was, or certainly some of the best of your career was here in Kent with Gillingham. Is this a, are you fixed on an area, or is it just going to be wherever the, the the job comes up? Um, no, I'm not fixed on an area. I live in I currently live in uh, Essex. So I'm 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 in the south east sort of region, um, but my family's from Cheltenham in Gloucestershire, so I can easily we could easily move there and have a massive support network around us. Um, but if there's work up north or abroad, then I definitely look at it because at the end of the day I need to put um, food on the table for my family, and that's my family's the most important thing in my life. And, Getting a job wherever that may be is is something I always look at um, and try and, and try and get. So if you said if it's abroad or north, then that, that doesn't bother me as long as I'm I'm working. And when you look back, I suppose at, at the career you've had so far, and obviously there's still more to come. I suppose Gillingham is a highlight for you, is it? Oh, it definitely is one of the the, the, the yeah, probably the main highlight of my career um, to to win the league in my first season. Um, to pick up player of the year in my second season um, to be the third uh, highest appearance for the club of a goalkeeper um, on the record books is, is something that I'm, I'm very proud of um, and, and, and that's just to name those three things there's, there's, many, there's many other things I've done at the club that I'm proud of uh, staying up in, the, in League One uh, on the last day of the season, of uh, coming back in for that game, keeping a clean sheet, that that was that was another highlight. So yeah, I could, I could see it. It was some, such a, it was such a good time in my career and, and in my life that I've only I've only got fond mem- memories of the club really. And obviously, uh, we spoke to Steve Miller a couple of weeks ago. He's the one who's got us in touch with you, and, and he's telling us about what he's doing. He's, how important is it for you to have an agent who's getting you out there and, and doing the right things for you and putting you first? Well, I've I've always had agents that I've not necessarily been happy with. Um, Steve's come in, uh, he asked for the opportunity to represent me, and he's he's been brilliant. Um, I've, we've only been working together a short time, but I, I couldn't really ask any more of him. And he's, he's getting my name about. He's real proactive, um, and that's, that's all you can ask. You you can't you can't make people take you. Um, it's about opinions in football and. And obviously, where uh, play people need positions, 
that are available to sort of go into. So you need that as well. So there's a lot of things, a lot of variables that are out there that you, you need to sort of all, all align and come together. But uh, Steve, Steve, for the first few weeks I've been working with him has been been fantastic and and uh, long may it continue. And hopefully we can uh, get something sorted soon. And looking long term, are you looking to get into coaching or, or management or anything like that? Um, I think that is something that obviously I'd look at doing. But at the minute, my 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 priority is to still be a player. Um, as I said, in in what capacity, uh, I'm 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 open to all offers, whether that's number one, number two, number three, whatever option to get put in front of me, I look at. Um, if if a coaching option. And like maybe a player coach has put out there, I consider it, but I'm not. I'm not. I said I'm not. I'm. Re- I am really focused on playing. I want. I want to prolong my career. I think I'm fit enough. Um, obviously, people look at your age and they try and they be quite um, ageist. I think in football and, and they age shame quite a lot. Um, and I think it's a case of if you pick a, a 33 year old and put him against me, I, I would definitely hold my own in the fitness stake. So. Sometimes there's there's exceptions to rules. You've got the lad Ian Henderson, I think it is at um, Salford, scored a hat trick on Saturday. He's a similar age, um, and uh, the boy used to play for Morecambe. I think he's just Ellison, yeah. Ellison. So these sort of players are right there, um, and you just you just need a manager to sort of um, believe in you and, and and sort of bring you in, and, and that's where I'm at at the minute. I suppose just finally the old adage is goalkeepers get better with age. So I guess at, uh, at 39, I'm the same age as you. We were born the same week. So I know it's hard to hear that at the moment. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I guess at 39, you feel that you st- you are getting better and still going strong. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a perfectionist. I'm a professional. I'm always trying to work at my game. I believe I can still get better. So I'm always trying to learn off different people, uh, different coaches, different goalkeepers watch I study the game um, and and I always try and sort of get better and that's that's why I employed a, a personal trainer to sort of do what I can do and uh, keep keep myself going and, and put myself in the best possible shape I can be in um, and then when I'm when I'm out there always looking back at everything I've done even if it's training I want to go over things and and, and fine-tune everything I do and, and I said, um, I can still get better and you can always improve. And people who say you can't teach an old dog new tricks is, is I think, it's rubbish. It's, it's whether that old dog wants to learn new tricks is, is more the more the, uh, the question. And, and I definitely do. I, I, I still try to improve. And, and if I, I can improve just a little bit every single day, then that's all, that's all that matters to me. I spoke to him, Matt, on Monday, Stuart Nelson, and I'd imagine that his positivity about the fact he was going to get a new deal has probably gone downhill slightly uh, since I spoke to him on Monday night. What was the announcement that was made on Tuesday? Well, certain clubs are still signing players, I saw in the National League. So, yeah, it, it must be a difficult play. You know, people think that footballers have got this fantastic lifestyle. You know, he's played a lot of league games, 39, but he still needs to feed his family. Decent goalkeeper, had a good season with the Oval last year. And again, I think the point there, ageism, you mentioned 39, but maybe goalkeepers get better with age. Apparently he's very fit. He's had a couple of trials with some Kent clubs. Um, Yeah, it must be such a difficult position for him. You know, he's been in football all his life, wants to carry on playing before going coaching. 
I just hope that he can, he can pick something up because I'm sure he'll do a job. I think he lives in Chelmsford. So, um, of course, Chelmsford have brought in um, Lee Wogan as their goalkeeper, another veteran goalkeeper as well. So, some people say that goalkeepers get better with age. So, I hope it's something that will, will work out for him. I know Steve's really trying to get him a club from there, but his hunger and his passion and is still there and, and a highly rated goalkeeper. But it must be worrying times for him. As he said there, he's willing to travel anywhere, even abroad to get um, get a thing and... Once you have that hunger and football is in your blood, it's very difficult to get it out of you. The thing is, I mean, we've spoken about this as well, but it, I remember Andy Hessenthaler saying to us on this show a few weeks ago, it's a manager's market. And uh, uh, the money that might have been on offer for a, a player like Stuart uh, this time last year may not be there. And I guess that's where it's really difficult because, you know, you can tell there, I was speaking to a bloke who's concerned about where he's going to be able to, to feed his family. Uh, and that is a, a, a real worry for him that at the moment that there isn't the money in in football and I mean putting it into into sort of the perspective I can have I, I was a journalist for many years journalism's changed beyond all belief and and it seems to me that he's now in a a similar sort of boat to, to I was maybe two or three years ago yeah power, players have had the power and the pandemic maybe you know at some point it was thought that players would lose a bit of that power maybe the pandemic has, has stopped that now within this and clubs have realized you know, there's not a bucket load of money out to give to players and Stuart's going to have to look at that and work out what's best for him. Um, yeah, it must be difficult if, if you're at the start of your career or at the end of your career, if you've, if you've left the academy and you're trying to get back in and there may not be any money there or there's very small amount of money and you, and you can maybe lose the love of the game and players will be lost to it. But Stuart wants to give something back, fit, raring to go. Um, it, it's... I'm sure we'll see him pop up somewhere uh, when the season, if the season starts going, but I think he will be a good signing for somebody um, from that. Yeah, it must be, it must be, it must be hard work for the agency and hard work for him as well. But he's probably got some contacts in the game, and he will do a job. But it's a position like anybody that you know, a lot of people, you know, with the furlough system ends at the end of this or end of what next month, there could be a lot of people unemployed, and football is not immune to that as well. I think. No, it definitely isn't. Well, good luck to Stuart and hopefully uh, things will sort itself out. Uh, that's pretty much it for the football chat, Matt. How, how are you? How has your week been? Yeah, um, yeah, not too bad. Just get, you know, come from work, go home, do the homework, kids' homework and then go there. Yeah, things fine. We're now getting into that sort of time when evenings get dark and I don't really go out anyway. So the pub's shut in an hour early, which is seems pretty pointless to me. Um, doesn't really affect me in any way. So we just keeping safe from what's going on outside really so it's just all a bit mental really and it's still so where are we going to go when you think six months for this you know and but what about your business john is that is this going to affect you in any way well i mean who, who knows we're still sort of waiting to to see exactly what the impact will be but the problem for us is if the pubs and the restaurants shut we will have to shut but we won't actually be officially shut because obviously there'll be no point in anyone coming here if they can't go out to eat or drink or anything. Um, so we will find out what, what goes on. At the moment, we're just taking each day as it comes. We've still got bookings coming in, so we're just going to keep on plugging away until we're told otherwise. I mean, it's it's very frustrating uh, at the moment. I mean, I, I'm kind of at the stage now where I don't see what these new, uh, these new rules are, are, are going to try to achieve. What's the end game? Because if they're waiting for a vaccine, it could be years. I think at some point we're just going to have to live with this virus. And, and if that means a new way of life, then then so be it. But we've just, at some point, we've got to draw the line. That's, that's the way I'm feeling right now. 
yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, I mean, you think of it six months, I think, you know, people are worried about Christmas and stuff like that, but six months in these conditions and going out is not going to be very, very, but I, I did read an interesting article at the um, at the weekend that um, my father-in-law gave to me, and it was basically they said there's a, you know, people are moaning, he can't do this, can't do that, but he said if you were born in 1900, basically by the time you were 18, you've seen the First World War, then the Spanish flu, which is a bit like this, was the next few years, then you had um, a Wall, the Wall Street crash that basically meant no. If you had any money, it soon went. Then you had Nazi Germany and another war, and then various conditions in. So by the time you were fifty, you've been through well. Yeah, tough lot. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe uh, and I was discussing with the lady at work. Maybe we're just a bit wet behind the ears these days, our generation. You know. But I, I mean, I, the thing for me is, I think a lot of these rules are nonsense. I, I read somewhere. Um, a, 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 I've just read it now on Facebook before we started recording. A, a, a little, a little bar that we sometimes go to we've only been there about half a dozen times but it is it's small in there it's a small place yet you've now got to wear a mask when you walk through the door until you sit at your table then you can take your mask off while you're eating and drinking and then you've got to put the mask back on to go to the front door and in some cases that is probably about four foot it just these just these rules just seem absolutely nonsensical to me and i mean i suggested the other week that i didn't think they knew what they were doing and, and i kind of stand by that at the moment i'm really not sure they know what's going on these okay we're not really <laughs> by either side could be you know whoever was in charge would have a clue but does anybody think they've done it you know i know the furlough system's good but the current well, this has gone on. I don't think anybody's going well. They've done a really good job here. I, I can't speak to anybody to do that. So, have they? Are you watching anything good on the telly, mate, at the minute? Uh, no, nothing. Also, uh, no, no, we're Ghost is back. Do you watch Ghosts? No. You one comedy. That's a good program, that is. Yeah. One to watch. Uh, yeah, it's a comedy where he lives in a ghost house. So, that's. Yeah, I've seen Trains. Yes, that's, that's, that's worth watching. Um, there's nothing. No, there's nothing on. We watched the um, Des thing. Did you watch that? That was good. Yeah, that was yeah, really yeah. good. David Tennant. We like David Tennant, so that was quite yeah, interesting. We're but watching that, um, The Fall. Oh, we've, we've seen that with that. the um, Julian Anderson. Yeah, we've never watched it, so we're watching that. Yeah, yeah, it's that. a bit scary. That's quite a good programme as well, yeah. I'll see that's on Netflix. But no, apart yeah, from that. Yeah, so we're watching that. Um, no, nothing really. You know, the, the, the nights are drawing in and it's all a bit... Yeah, they need to find something good on the telly, really. Or, or, or what you really need is a bit of day reflecting back in your life. That, yeah, it'd be nice. Yeah, that would be nice. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, it'd be nice to think. Yeah, get a bit of all. You know, now we're going back to work full time, so it's, it's it's that structure's come back, and the weekends are you know normally right football. I'm going here, there, and everywhere. And at the moment, that's a bit up in the air. So, which is a little bit disappointing, but it will be what it will be, really, isn't it? So, um, yeah. Well, well, I, I, Bob, I, do you reckon by this time next week when we record the next one, we will know what's going on? Should Hopefully. Be, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I'd imagine we'll know if the National League's going to be started on Saturday, so we'll find out. Um, but yeah, yeah let's, let, well, well, let's find out and see. But thank you, everybody, for listening uh, to this week's Kent Only Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Kent NL Podcast, and you can find us on Facebook if you just search for Kent Only Podcast. You'll find us on Twitter. I'm at John Phipps81. Matt is at Matthew underscore Gerard. Uh, so please feel free to get in touch with us. Uh, and, and of course, thank you to all of our guests uh, on this week's show Scott Lindsay, uh, Kevin Oakes. Jim Rowe and Stuart Nelson. Good luck to Stuart in his quest to find a club. Uh, yeah, it's been uh, another 
whirlwind week. Uh, so maybe next week we might just be able to talk about football and be excited about the start of the season. Uh, fingers crossed. But in the meantime, take care of yourselves, look after each other, and we will speak to you all next week on the Kent Nonny podcast. And if you do have 15 to 20 million, please send a check to the National League very, very quickly. Or us. We'll have it. We'll have the 15. Oh, well, yeah, well, that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. But I think the National League is more, yeah. more knowing than us, mate. All right, Fair. goodbye.